for the next four weeks, I want to take the Holy Spirit and I want to just basically, this is my basic goal for this series, is to introduce you to the person of the Holy Spirit. I, I want you to wipe away, I want you to let go of your misperceptions, let go of your, your past experiences. I'm asking you for a blank page today. Can you give me a blank page so that maybe God can start to write on that page who the Holy Spirit really is? You see, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. You've got God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Most of us love the first two. We love God the Father and God the Son. But we've, we've got little experience or maybe even some bad experience with God the Holy Spirit. But that doesn't change who the Holy Spirit is. You see, it's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. One of my fears is that as a, as a shepherd or a pastor over a congregation of people or believers is that, is that some of you would leave this earth and go to heaven and have only really experienced God the Father and God the Son. You never really got to know the Holy Spirit. And, and so I want you to know the Holy Spirit. I want you to know him. I want you to know him personally. And so I want to help you with that over the next four weeks. I want to help you discover who the Holy Spirit is, how he operates, and what he's here for. Is that okay? Because you see, Jesus told the disciples, it was so important that Jesus said, guys, I got to go. In fact, I got to get out of here so the Holy Spirit can come so that he can be with you. You see, Jesus couldn't be everywhere all the time with all the people, but the Holy Spirit can. So Jesus understood that it was kind of like a tag team. I don't want to call it a wrestling match, but it's kind of like that. Jesus, he, he, he fought his round and he won and he tagged the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit came and said, okay, it's my turn, right? And so that, that's what's happening today. And so I want you to be aware that I don't want you to be afraid and I don't want you to not understand the Holy Spirit. Go with me to the book of Acts chapter 19. If you read your Bible often, you'll, you'll understand that the New Testament, the first four books in the New Testament are called the Gospels. And the Gospels basically tell the story of Jesus. And Jesus is the predominant theme of the Gospels. The Holy Spirit shows up many times in the Gospels, but Jesus is the predominant theme in the Gospels. And then right after the last Gospel, John, the book of John, we go into the book called Acts. Now, the book of Acts is a historical book. It basically tells the history or the historical story of what happened when Jesus ascended into heaven and then the Holy Spirit came down and then the church was birthed. So it's a historical record. So when you read the book of Acts, you need to understand that it's, it's speaking in terms of history of what happened in the early church. Now, the book of Acts is predominantly about the Holy Spirit. Of course, it's still about Jesus, but it's still predominantly about the Holy Spirit. And you see the Holy Spirit all throughout the book of Acts. In fact, it was in Acts chapter 1 or 2 that, that the Holy Spirit came down initially on the first 120 disciples. And they had that encounter that we call Pentecost. And some people have kind of overstressed that. Oh, it's Pentecost. Oh, we've got to have some Pentecost. I want to apologize for those people. <laughs> Because it ain't all about that. Pentecost was the actual festival that was going on, and it was the Holy Spirit that showed up on that day. So let's not give glory to Pentecost. Let's give glory to the Holy Spirit. Amen? And so we, we find this. We want to pick this up in Acts chapter 19, starting in verse 1 and 2. By the way, chapter 19 is actually decades into the book of Acts. This thing wasn't written every week like a chapter a week. This thing was written over a long period of time. If you were here during the Bible series, it took 1,600 years to write the Bible. So there was actually decades that this had happened. And so this has been decades since chapter 1. And we pick it up in chapter 19, verse 1 and 2. It says, While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior land, arrived at Ephesus. Through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, and I love this, they said, no. 
we have not even heard there is a Holy Spirit. Pretty interesting. He's talking to believers. He's talking to people that have given their life to Christ. And he says, have you received the Holy Spirit? And they said, man, I didn't even know. (laughs) Didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. You see that? And so it's possible to believe in Jesus. It's possible to, to have a relationship with Jesus, but yet not be filled with the Holy Spirit. These verses prove that. That you can be in a relationship with Jesus. Now, now I'll back the story up. It's the Holy Spirit that got you in there in the first place, by the way. So it's not like the Holy Spirit was absent. But to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because he said, have you received the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no. And so my, my thing today is that the Holy Spirit's gotten a bad rap. Can we just say that this morning? The Holy Spirit's just gotten a bad rap. <laughs> I mean, he's literally been misrepresented. He's, he's, been, he's been lied about. <laughs> he, he's been taken advantage of. People have done things in the name of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I just want to clear that up today. Can we do that? Just clear it up. Because honestly, I want, I want every one of you to understand the Holy Spirit for who he is. Not what you've heard from somebody else. I don't want you to live off of other people's experiences with the Holy Spirit. I want you to live off of your own experiences with the Holy Spirit. If anything I say today that you don't trust and you don't believe, I just want you to go to the Bible. And I want you to find it for yourself. Is that all right? I want you to go find it for yourself. Because let me tell you something. The the Holy Spirit is mentioned over 800 times in the scriptures. He's in the Old Testament. In fact, it was the Holy Spirit that hovered over the land, over the waters, when God was creating the universe. When God was creating earth. The Holy Spirit's been through the Bible the whole time. Over 800 times he's mentioned in the Bible. He's mentioned in the Bible, and when the, and when the translators translated the Bible, they, they had a hard time with translating Holy Spirit, the actual word Holy Spirit. They didn't know how to translate it because when you understand the definition of spirit, you'll understand why it was so hard to translate. One of the definitions of, of spirit in the Greek is called pneuma. It's the word pneuma. Pneuma literally means a blast of air, a current of air, a blast of breath, and a strong breeze. So it would be hard to say God the Father, God the Son, and God the breath. <laughs> right? Or God the Father, God the Son, and God the air. <laughs> this making sense? And so they had a hard time translating. So when you read the word spirit, it literally means a blast of air, a wind, almost like the breath of God. So the Holy Spirit is like a wind. Is that making sense? He's like a wind. So let me give you a couple of characteristics about wind. Uh, the first characteristic is this, is that wind is unseen. We don't always see the wind, right? You can see things flying in the wind. I watch the trash sometimes fly across my yard. Or I watch my buckets fly across the yard. <laughs> or I see leaves fly. I can see the results of the wind, but I can't always see the wind, Right? Now, some of you are are having a hard time with the Holy Spirit because you can't see him. You just can't see him. Sometimes you've had experiences where you know the Holy Spirit was there because you felt something, but you're not seeing something. And just because you can't see it doesn't mean that it's not there. You've heard me say many times, and I still stand true to this, that I believe that we shouldn't base our Christianity, our walk with Christ, we shouldn't base that on our feelings because sometimes our feelings will get us in trouble, right? They're they're bad indicators. But let me tell you something about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is meant to be felt. Just like when you walk out of this building and if there was a good northern, I'm, I'm prophesying, if there was a good northern breeze blowing through, a cold front, mind you, and the humidity was leaving and you walked outside, you would... Feel the cool air, right? And some of you would go, whew, that feels good, right? Because you felt it. So the Holy Spirit is made, he's, 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 he's able to be sensed or felt. You've got to be careful with that, though. 
Because sometimes your feelings will get you in trouble. So the Holy Spirit is like the wind because he's unseen. He's unseen. You, you can't always see him, but you can experience him. You see, we don't get freaked out when the wind blows, do we? We don't get freaked out when a northern blows through, right? We actually like it. Why should we get freaked out when the Holy Spirit shows up? He doesn't come to freak us out. He comes to be with us. So John 6, 63 says, The words I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. They're pneuma. They're a blast of fresh breath, a blast of air. It brings life to us. It revives us. The Holy Spirit is like a breath of fresh air. And some of you have been living in this stale and dry land for a long time. And you're just longing for a breath of fresh air. You're just longing for something to just get inside of you that's just fresh. Anybody here this morning like that? You kind of just been dealing with the same old stale situations you've always dealt with. And you stumbled into OSC this morning and I'm praying and I'm believing and I know that the Holy Spirit is here. And I'm hoping that you experienced him and that you experienced his breath today. So he can be like the wind. He can be unseen at times. Sometimes we have a hard time with that because, right, seeing is believing. How many of you that was ingrained to you when you was a kid? Seeing is believing. <laughs> my parents would tell me, you know, if I went to summer camp, my pa- I'd come back and say, Mom, I love you. You know, God touched me. She goes, okay, seeing is believing. <laughs> kind of got ingrained in me that I had to see something before I could believe it, right? And, and that's still true today to some degree. And my son says, you know, Dad, I'm sorry for not doing this. I said, okay, well, then repent. Okay, good. Let me see it. <laughs> Actually, I tell him, don't sing it, bring it. Don't tell me you're going to change. But anyway, just because we can't see the Holy Spirit does not mean that he's not with us. John 14, 16 says this. This was a conversation with Jesus and his disciples at the Last Supper. He says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you. Another word for advocate is comforter to help you. You need to underline that help you. And be with you forever. How long? The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because they neither, it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. You know what that tells me? That tells me that unlike the world, we've been given this incredible privilege to know that the Holy Spirit is with us. We've been given this incredible opportunity to experience the Holy Spirit. Even if we can't see him, we can know that he is with us. That's an incredible opportunity, an incredible gift that God has given us. To know the person of the Holy Spirit. There was a lady that came to church one time a couple years back. And a lot of times when somebody's their first time here and they... they most of the time, I got to chase them down to talk to them. But this one time, you know, and sometimes people chase me down to talk to them. And I usually kind of guarded because some people come to church for the first time with an agenda. <laughs> I've had several of those over the years. But this lady comes in. She goes, hey, pastor, can I talk to you? I said, sure. And she said, I just want to share with you. I, I drove up today and I was like, oh, great. What's going on in the parking lot? And she goes, I just want you to know that when I drove up into the park, I experienced the Holy Spirit. I, I sensed the presence of the Holy Spirit when I drove up in the parking lot. And I wanted to hug the lady. I had to restrain myself because she didn't have an issue. <laughs> she actually said something nice. <laughs> and I said, like, well, praise God. I'm, I'm, I'm sure glad he's in the parking lot, too, that he's not just in this building here. Because, you see, sometimes we want to put God in a place where we want him. We want to put him in the sanctuary. And if you really want to be holy, you're going to move to the front. And you're going to sit like the first two rows of the church. That's the holiest rows in the church. (laughs) And don't even get to the altar, baby, because that's where the Holy Ghost is. You follow what I'm saying? We, We get some crazy thinking sometimes. 
But the reality is that the Holy Spirit is everywhere. He's in your job. He's at your... He's at he's where you do your hobbies at. He's, he's in your marriage. He's in the bedroom. He's at school with your kids. He's, he's, he's in your car. Right? He's everywhere. We can't, we can't box him in. Which brings me to my next point is that wind is unpredictable. Now, we all know weathermen. <laughs> weathermen, I appreciate weathermen and women. I mean, they... they get educated on weather, and, and they do a, a, a fairly good job of predicting weather. And, you know, God bless them. They're trying to predict something that's unpredictable. But, you know, and so, but wind is unpredictable. They can, they can pretty much assume that the wind's coming from here, and tomorrow you're going to face 20-mile-an-hour winds, and, and don't go fishing because your boat's going to flip over, and blah, blah, blah. And, and you go, okay, that's great, but wind really is unpredictable. When they talk about a hurricane coming, they, they, they measure the wind, but that's really not a, an exact measurement. Wind is unpredictable. The Holy Spirit, and this is going to hurt some of you because it's going to come against your thinking. The Holy Spirit, you ready? He's unpredictable. Hope that didn't hurt too bad. Because for some of you, you like God in this box, wrapped up with this pretty bow, and you know where he's at, what he's doing, how he's going to do it. In fact, you've kind of designed the box so that God will show up when you want him to show up. And you like the predictability about God. But you don't want to believe that there's an unpredictability about the Holy Spirit. Because that might shatter some of your thinking. It maybe makes you a little bit uncomfortable. That, oh, the Holy Spirit's unpredictable? Yeah, <laughs> He is, in a good way. Because, you see, left to myself, I would, I would, I would schedule my time <laughs> with the Holy Spirit. I would have him on the schedule. I would say, Holy Spirit, I need you to show up about 6.30 to 7.30. I'll give you an hour. We'll get everything set for the day. Then I got it from here. That's what I would do. I'd put him in a box and say, okay, here's your timer. I'd set his timer and say, you can only show up here. You can only do this. But then once your time's up, I need you just to act right. I don't need you to do something a little bit. Don't embarrass me. Sometimes the wind blows where we don't know it's going to blow. Right? The Holy Spirit can be unpredictable. We got to come to a place where we're okay with the Holy Spirit being unpredictable. You got to get into a spot where you can go, okay, he can show up other than Sundays. He, he, he can show up outside of the church walls. He can show up, Lord help us, at Walmart. I mean, it's, the, Holy, the Holy Spirit can show up even in your job site. We're going to have to be okay with that. You're going to have to come to terms with that. You're going to have to say, okay, I understand God is a God of order. And he does do things in order. But there is this side of him called the Holy Spirit that sometimes he just don't fit in the box. Sometimes he shows up when I don't (laughs) want him to. You ever get convicted by the Holy Spirit? How many of you are actually sitting around waiting to Waiting for my conviction. Can't a little, get a little conviction here? Come on. Something will happen and the Holy Spirit will come in and he'll convict you of sin. Not condemn you. Not slap you on the forehead. He'll come in and say, hey, you just had a bad attitude. Hey, that thing you said just really hurt that person. I was doing something the other day and I and my cousin was with me, and, and he's got a daddy that always puts him down. His daddy never lifts him up. And for some reason, I was talking with him and another guy, a friend of ours that comes to church. And, and I was talking, and we were all just kind of talking. And I said something bad about Tyler. Not like awful bad. It was really kind of silly. I just kind of put him down, made fun of him. I didn't think too much of it. We do that all the time. The next morning, 
I'm having my quiet time. The Holy Spirit goes, stop. We're not going any further. What you did yesterday, I want you to take care of that right now. I'm like, what you talking about, Willis? I didn't do nothing wrong. He said, no, you put Tyler down in front of Frank. And I was like, you're right. He said, now I want you to call Frank. Well, why I got to call Frank? Because <laughs> you did it in front of him. And then I want you to call Tyler. The Holy Spirit showed up. I didn't want him to show up. I want him to show up and tell me all the good things about me. You see? I didn't want him to show up and tell me I had some sin in my life. I don't want to believe that. He's unpredictable at times. John 3, 8 says this, Jesus answered, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. You got to remember the Holy Spirit is God. He can show up wherever he wants to. When he wants to. Just saying, he could show up right now. I hope you can come to terms with the fact that the Holy Spirit can be unpredictable. The third characteristic of wind is that wind is powerful. Wind can sell a ship, wind can generate electricity, and wind can blow everybody out of New Orleans. Right? Wind can do all kinds of things, but wind is powerful. Just a week or two ago, we had dust coming all the way from, I don't know, was it Africa? We had this dust that came all the way to Eunice. (laughs) And we were driving, I was like, is that rain? And then I remembered, I saw the news, that was dust all the way from South Africa. Wind is powerful. It's powerful. Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Jesus says, when I leave and this Holy Spirit comes, he's going to give you power. But I want you to understand something. It's not just the power that comes when some evangelist walks in and he's preaching and you stand up here in a line and he goes, boom, and you fall out. That's not what I'm talking about. It's the kind of power that shows up when you're about to flip somebody off on Highway 190 and he goes, "Uh uh-uh. He shows up when you women at the beauty salon. He goes there too. (laughs) That'll shut you up. (laughs) And you're about to talk about your best friend. And he goes, no, that ain't gonna work. You see, the Holy Spirit's powerful, but it's not power like we think it's power. He can do all the incredible things and the mighty things and all that kind of stuff. But that's not the only way he's powerful. He's powerful when you're tempted to click on something on the computer that you know you're not supposed to look at. He goes, hey, uh uh-uh, don't do that. Come on, man. You're better than that. The Holy Spirit's powerful when you hurt one of your kids and he comes to you and says, you know what? You need to go make that right. And he gives you the power and the humility to go and get on your knees before your kids and say, hey, can you forgive me because I blew it? I'm sorry. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's when you get stuck in a situation that you can't find your way out of. You can't muscle your way out of. You can't even think your way out of. But the Holy Spirit comes and does something that you couldn't even see happen. That's the kind of power I'm talking about. It's the kind of power that will break your attitude. It's the kind of power that will put a grown man on his knees and make him cry. It's the kind of power that will take a timid individual and make them stand up in front of a bunch of people and preach a pure gospel. It's that kind of power. It's the kind of power that will break the bondages in your life. Don't box it in and don't make it so narrow that it's only when an evangelist or some kind of special super spiritual moment. That's not the only time the Holy Spirit shows up. He's with us all the time. Everywhere. Amen. He's powerful. 
There was a guy by the name of Charles Finney. He was the father of modern revivalism in America. In the 19th century, he was a Presbyterian preacher or minister. And he was comfortable with knowing God, how he knew God. He had God in a box and God was predictable and God could only do this and do that. And that's how he understood God. But he had an experience with God one day. And he actually took the time and wrote it down and we get to read it. I want you to read Charles Finney's experience with the Holy Spirit. It says this, the Holy Spirit descended upon me in a manner that seemed to go through me, body and soul. I could feel the impression like a wave of electricity going through and through me. Indeed, it seemed to to come in waves and waves, watch this, of liquid love. For I could not express it any other way. It seemed like the very breath of God. You see, God can break through your box. He can break into your box. And you can have an experience with him that you've never had before. And you can see a side of God that you've never maybe saw before. And you can experience the Holy Spirit. It's possible. In fact, he wants to have experiences with you. Amen? The fourth characteristic of wind is that wind is refreshing. Not only is it unseen, not only is it unpredictable, not only is it powerful, but wind is refreshing. Do you realize this life that you've been given when you gave your life to Jesus and you went from being spiritually dead to now being spiritually alive? Do you know it's actually supposed to look alive? You see, sometimes we get in these ruts where we, we've been going to church and we've been reading our Bible and we've been doing this and we've been doing that and, and Christianity has become mundane to us. It's become kind of stale, kind of dry. And even your, even your countenance shows that because I, I see you all the time. You come to church and you come like... And we got ushers at the door, greeters at the door, people in the parking lot going, hey, how you doing? Good morning. And they're like, you know when the Holy Spirit comes on you, that he gives you life? It's like all of a sudden you get to breathe again. We went rafting a couple weeks ago. (laughs) I'm going to mess your mind up. Tubing, sorry, tubing. On the San Marcos River, which, by the way, was 67 degrees. <laughs> and I got on this little yellow tube. You got to ask Jesus to clean your mind now. I got on this yellow tube, and we're floating down this river. And it's all good. And we get to the end. We heard somebody say, there's a waterfall at the end. You can ride down. And so me and the kids were like, yeah. Cheryl was like, uh-uh. He's like, when I was 20, I would do it, but I'm 40, baby. I'm going to, the, I'm parking off to the side. And so they said it was one. <laughs> so me and the kids were getting kind of fired up and we get to this waterfall and bam, I'm looking and I get to the edge of the waterfall and I'm on a tube, mind you, and it's top heavy. <laughs> and I look over the edge and there's two more after this one. And it's like steps, baboosh, baboosh, baboosh. And I'm going, oh God. And I took the first one kind of straight on and <laughs> I was like, whew, it didn't fall. Good. And before I could think, I was on the second one. Shoom, I went down the second one. I was like, dang, man, that's crazy. I get to the third one, I start turning sideways. I'm like, no, no, no. And, and I get to it, and I go down, and the tube goes, boom. And I was with feet up, head down, going through these, this water boiling. I couldn't breathe. I lost my cap. I was like, like a big fish drowning. And then finally, I saw the top, and I'm going, and I come on, I'm like, I couldn't breathe. <laughs> Some of you feel like that today. Spiritually, you're choking. It might not be as funny as mine, but you're choking. <laughs> Sorry about that. I just <laughs> oh well, it pops in your head and you say it. 
Ain't nothing pretty about a preacher riding down a river on a tube. <laughs> but there was a meaning in all of it, and we just need to breathe. Let's just keep going. I just embarrassed myself. But we need to be able to breathe because some of you haven't breathed in a long time. Some of you, your marriage has been choking. Your friendships have been choking. Your relationships have been choking. Your, your environment has got you choking. And you feel like, I can't breathe. I can't seem to get a breath of fresh air. I can't. And that's what your life's felt like. But when the Holy Spirit comes on you, he comes like a mighty wind. And he breathes fresh breath into your lungs. And you kind of go, I can breathe. I just want to tell you that that's what the Holy Spirit does for us. He helps us to breathe. Jesus said, I got to go so that the Holy Spirit can come and he can help you. Look at your neighbor and say, you need help. Some of you have been waiting 20 years to say that. He wants to help you breathe. He wants to give you power. He wants to put fresh breath in your lungs. Ephesians 4.30 says, don't grieve God. Don't break his heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you, watch this, is the most intimate part of your life. One of the most intimate things you can ever do is to be in a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Letting him breathe in you, letting him live inside of you, being led by the Holy Spirit and not yourself. Jesus said, or God's word says that that's one of the most intimate parts of your life, making you fit for himself. Don't take such a gift for granted, I want us to be a church that does not take the Holy Spirit for granted. I don't want us to just say, oh yeah, it's God the Father, God the Son. Yeah, and there's that Holy Spirit thing. You know, yeah, that Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah, that's part of it. Yeah, we believe in that. Yeah, I don't want you to take him for granted. I want you to be in such a relationship that you talk about him like he's a person. That's the Holy Spirit. He's my friend. He's my friend. He helps me. He's with me. He doesn't have a club and he's not banging me across the head. He's with me. He's helping me. Even in the simplest ways sometimes, he's helping. My wife the other day was she had a couple of doctor's appointments, one for herself, one for the kids, and she was stacking them all together on one day, and she had her, her route planned out, and I was proud of her. And I was, it's kind of what I would do, you know, so I think I'm rubbing off on her. And, and so she, she had this whole day planned, and I was like, man, good girl. I was like, it's my girl. And so she, she's got it all planned out. She gets up early. She's got the kids getting up, and they're all getting ready, and she's, she's heading out the door, and she calls me a couple hours later. And she goes, you'll never guess what I did. I said, what? She said, my appointment was tomorrow. <laughs> Anybody ever do that? <laughs> and so I, we kind of laughed about it. And she went on about some other things, scheduled her appointment for the next day and, and all this. And that. we got home that afternoon. And she, she said something that was very profound to me. She said, you know, I should have listened to the Holy Spirit when he told me to call and see if my appointment was today. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. He loves you enough to help you make your appointments on the right day. He cares enough about you that he'll begin to speak to you and he'll begin to whisper to you. Are you hearing me? He's not far-fetched. He's not way out there. The Bible says he's with you. Can, can you be okay with that today? Can you be okay with the fact that the spirit of the living God is with you today? Like, like, like with you. Like a friend. Not just a friend that shows up when everything's fine, but the friend that's there when everything's broken. That kind of a friend. That's the Holy Spirit. Getting something? 
Let me give you a couple of practical things and then we'll wrap this up. And I, I want you to do something for me. I want you to commit to the next four weeks. We'll put a lot of work into this. It's my responsibility to, to lead you and to feed you. And I want to feed you in the pasture called the Holy Spirit. And for the next four weeks, I want you to commit to come and listen to this series and watch what God does in your life. Amen? Take the simple things. I'm trying to make it as simple as possible. I'm trying to make it as clear as possible. Because I want you to be in a life-giving relationship with the Holy Spirit. So how do we do that? Number one, we let go of fears and misperceptions. Let go of fears and misperceptions. I'm sorry you had some bad experiences with the Holy Spirit. I'm sorry you've heard some bad teaching on the Holy Spirit. But I want you to, I want you to trust me that I'm going to feed you right. But if you can't trust me, I want you to go read it in the Bible. When you can't trust your pastor, I want you to go trust the Bible. And I want you to read it in the Bible. Because two things are going to happen when you start searching for the Holy Spirit in the Bible. Two things are going to happen. Number one, you're going to realize that the Holy Spirit is not outdated. Then you're going to realize that the Holy Spirit is not unbiblical. In fact, he is super biblical. You're going to realize that when you discover it for yourself in the scriptures, who the Holy Spirit is. Let go of fears and misperceptions. Proverbs 3, 5 says to trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Anybody a little analytical? Come on, all my analytical thinkers, processors, raise your hand real quick. There's no shame. We love you. In fact, we need you. Okay? You might have a hard time. You might have a hard time wrapping your mind around the Holy Spirit. It may have nothing to do with fear. It just may simply be because you don't understand. And listen to me, God made you that way. There's no knock against that. God made you to think and process and to search and to seek and to find. In fact, you love digging in and finding and I think that's great, but I want to remind you of a scripture that says, if you'll ask for understanding, it will be given to you. So I, I don't want you to hide behind the fact that you can't understand the Holy Spirit and say, well, I just can't understand it, so I'm done with it. I don't want you to do that. I want you to press in and I want you to say, God, you're the God of understanding. You created my mind. Help me to understand the Holy Spirit. Open my mind. Because you've been given a God-given right just like everybody else to understand the Holy Spirit. And then for some of us other ones, some of, some of us others, we, we may just be afraid. You may just be scared. And I want to say to you this morning, I was scared too. I, I was raised in a Baptist church. I was, it could have been the Baptist boy poster child. I mean, I was there three times on Sunday and played the organ and all those, I was a good little Baptist boy and but I got in trouble as a youth pastor for teaching about the Holy Spirit in the Baptist church. Now, not all Baptist churches are like that. Some of them are different, but mine was. I was raised in an environment where you didn't talk about the Holy Spirit. That was like a no-no. So I, I, from what I understood, I was teaching the youth one night, and I taught them about the Holy Spirit. And I talked about how some people interpret the Holy Spirit and how others interpret. I got called down. I said, we need to meet with you. I said, okay. I said, why aren't you teaching our lessons? I said, because they don't work. I said, really? I said, they don't work. Well, what do you teach? I said, the Bible. Well, you was talking about the whole, yep. You want to hear what I had to say? Mm -mm. No. That's what I was raised in. So when I got out of that, I knew there was something 
else to God. I knew there was another side of God that I hadn't experienced yet. And some of you feel that this morning. There was something inside of me that says there's more. There's, there's more to God. It's more than just God the Father and God the Son. There's more. And I, I just got hungry for it. And I said, Lord, I want to experience more. I want to understand who the Holy Spirit is. And he took me on a journey. And I'll never forget, I, I joined OSC and we were going and we went to this encounter retreat weekend. And then one of the last sessions is they pray for people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so I was a nervous wreck. I just want to be honest with you. My knees were weak and I just ate. So like my, my levels were good. My knees were weak and I was just kind of anxious. And I was like, man, and I'm going, God, is this you? Oh, man, is this you? Are you sure, Lord? And, and I'll never forget, Pastor Josh was just a little young buck back in those days, and he was real liked. And he comes running up behind me and he just jumps and just boom, he lands on my back. And we're walking into this session, and he's light. And I'm going, that's how stirred up I was. That's how scared I was. And we got into that session And I was all prepared to dissect what this guy was going to teach about the Holy Spirit. And they would do a little worship set before and they they played the first song. And I'm the biggest guy in the building. On the front row, I had hair in those days, so I was two inches taller. (laughs) Biggest guy in the building on the front row. They're playing the first song. Nobody taught anything. The Holy Spirit came on me. In such a way that by the second song, I was on my knees weeping. By the third song, I was laid out flat. Nobody touched me. Nobody did anything. This was me and the Holy Spirit. And I went through the whole teaching on my face. I went through the whole laying on of hands afterwards. I was there. They were still picking up the chairs. I'm going, God, I'm embarrassed. And he goes, shut up. <laughs> he didn't say that, but he was like, I'm feeding you, boy. And that was my first encounter. But you know what I prayed on my way to that session right before Pastor Josh jumped on my back? I just came to this crossroads and I said, Lord, I believe there's a Holy Spirit. I'm scared but I trust you. And if there's more that you have from me, then I want it. In fact, I want as much as you want to give me. And boy, did he give it to me. I was filled with the Holy Spirit that day. And my life's never been the same. And I thank God for that. But all I did was open my heart. I let go of my fear and I let, I opened my heart and said, God, help me. I want it. The second thing to do is to go all in. You know, you'll never get all of God going halfway. You'll never. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me. Watch this. It's conditional when you seek me with all of your heart. God didn't send his son to down the cross completely for half of you. He sent him to down the cross for you because he wants all of you. But you got to understand, God's not going to come in and wreck your life like you think he's going to wreck your life. If you're actually smart and you're actually wise, he's going to come in and he's going to begin to lift you up. He's going to give you power to do things you could never do before. He'll take you places you never thought you would go before. You'll speak to people you never thought you could speak before. He's not here to hurt you. Too many people are scared to go all in because they're scared to give up what they got. But God is so much better than what you got. He's so much better than what you have. He goes, man, you're you're holding up for that? Really? I want to be a pastor that leads you into a place to go all in. Because I don't want you to be in heaven looking back going, dang, I I got tied up on that. I got hung up on my reputation? I let what people think about me cause me to miss out on what God had for me? Is this making sense? I don't want you to do that. I want you to go all in. 
And I think some of us haven't discovered everything that God has for us because we've been holding back. We've been holding our life too tightly. I realized something the other day. We've been having a hard time kind of getting people through Next Step and getting people on the dream team. And I'm just going to be honest with you. I, I was praying through that, and I was like, Lord, what's the deal? I don't understand. Help me to understand. We're a safe church. We're safe. We, we don't do anything that hurt to hurt people. We don't, we're not kooky. We're not weird. I mean, you, you can invite your friends, and we're not going to embarrass you. You follow me? I'm going, God, why, what's the deal? And, he, and he, he began to show me how many churches hurt people in this area. And he said, he said they're hurt. They're just hurt, son. And, and I'm creating a safe, a safe haven right there. And so I'm bringing people to you that have been church hurt. They've been relationally hurt. They've been damaged. So just be patient. And after a little, I was like, all right, I'll be patient. <laughs> but some of you have been sitting here for a while. You've been coming to church for a while. And we're okay with that. But can I just tell you, there's more. There's more to OSC than just Sunday mornings. There's more to this body of believers, this family that we belong to. There's more to this than just Sunday services and first Wednesday services. Do you realize that some people right now are in that building and all these other buildings leading children into a loving relationship with Jesus, introducing them to somebody who's going to totally transform their life? Do you realize that those people that are teaching those kids are getting more than the kids are? That those people are actually fulfilling their destiny, fulfilling what God's called them to do? There's more to us than meets the eye. There's, there's passion here. There's desire here. There's, we're using the gifts and the talents that God has given us. We're trying to put people in the right place. We got people that, that are very enthusiastic at the front door going, hey, good morning. Glad to see you. May you look good today. Like the new hair color. I've never heard that one, but that's okay. And, but we've got, you see what I'm saying? I want you to trust. I want you to trust enough to go all in. I want you to go through the next step. I want you to join the dream team. I want you to get plugged into a life group this fall semester. I'm telling you, if you'll give us those things, if you'll just trust us with those things, your life will change. I'm loving the life group my wife and I are doing this summer, a marriage life group. There was a girl in that life group just this past Friday night. She, she's asking me questions. She's like, well, when's the next semester? I'm like, hey. She's like, I said, in the fall. We'll be kicking off around September. She goes, oh, great. She goes, are they going to be teaching one of those financial life groups? I said, yeah, probably so. She said, oh, I'm, I could use some help with my finances. And she gets it. She goes, I'm, she sees it. She goes, I'm standing. I'm, God's joined me to a family that wants to help me. I'm going to get the help. I'm in a marriage life group because I'm tired of my marriage struggling. Can I just tell you what you've been trying ain't working? I just want you to go all in. All in. Not all in for me. All in for Jesus. I want you to go all in and trust him. Pastor Jamie's going to let you down. I'm going to make some mistakes. But Jesus ain't. So let go of fears and misperceptions. Go all in. And number three, develop an intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. God the Father has a role. Jesus the Son has a different role. And so does the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 13, 14 says, The amazing grace of the Master Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit, 
be with all of you. This was Paul ending his letter. Paul says, these are the last words he says to the church in Corinth, that, that the, the wonderful grace of Jesus be with you, the, the extravagant love of God be with you. And then he says this, and then the friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you. You see, God has a role. God has a role. Jesus has a role. And the Holy Spirit has a role. And I just want to tell you today, his role's friendship. It's friendship. God the Father loves you. If he had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. Not on the back. It would be on the front. And he would show you off to everybody that comes to his house. You see, this is my, this is my kid. She's the good one. <laughs> God loves you. You can always tell the value of something by how much someone's willing to pay for it. You got to hear this. You're worth it to God. He values you so much that he gave the most expensive, the most precious, prized possession he had, his son Jesus, for you. That's how much he loves you. You see, I love you. I may even be in the top five of people who love you. For some of you, I may be in the top two. I don't know. Nobody loves you. And I do. I love you. I see you in the mornings. I, I pray for you. I, I woke up this morning. Some of you were with me. I was dreaming last night. Some of you were with me in London preaching some weird revival. And I don't have time to go into that. It was crazy. But I, I see you and I pray for you and I love you and I think about you. But can I tell you something? You ain't getting my son. He drives me crazy sometimes. But I can't give him. But God did. That's how much he loves you. You're valuable. You spent most of your life being devalued. But God wants to value you. He wants you to know how much he loves you. That's his role. God's role is to love you. Then God the Son is the one who saves me. Jesus saves me. It's because he went to the cross and because he didn't turn away and because he didn't quit halfway through. He went all the way to the cross, died on the cross, went to the grave, came up out of the grave. Because he did that, I can now have my slate wiped clean. Come on. You ought to be excited about that. Some of you might still be scrubbing. I don't know, but shouldn't have said that. Because of that, I can be in a relationship with God. I went from spiritual death into spiritual life. Come on, somebody. Because of Jesus, God's role is to love me. Jesus' role is to save me. Well, then what's the Holy Spirit supposed to do? What does he do? He's just with me. You see, the Holy Spirit loves you and he wants to be with you. Come on, I'm going to embarrass you. You see, the Holy Spirit really loves Anna. And he just wants to be with you. The Holy Spirit just wants to be with you. If you're walking somewhere, he wants to go, hey, watch out for that. If you're going too slow, he's going to say, come on, speed up a little bit. If you're going too fast, you're going to say, hold on a second. Just enjoy this. The Holy Spirit just wants to be with you. Isn't that incredible? That the creator of the universe not only sent his son to die on the cross for us, but he sent his spirit to be with us in the good, the bad, and the ugly of your life. He's not scared. He don't run away. When you fall on your face, he's the one. 